0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. So we're still waiting on UFC news, right? UFC is probably coming to us. From Florida on May 9th. And if that card does in fact come to fruition, we are going to be talking with two of the fighters that will be on that card. Today we're talking with Charles Rosa, who's getting ready for his fight with Bryce Mitchell. And we're talking with Nico Price as he prepares for his rematch with Vicente Luque. So make sure that you tune in for both of those phenomenal interviews. Plus, Me and Shockwave Dave are going to be debating the best MMA grapplers in all of the UFC. We're going to be going division by division, trying to give you guys the lowdown of who exactly we think is the best grappler in each division. So make sure you tune in for that. But before you do, I have to let you know that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Maroon Social. Head to wherever it is you download apps and download the Maroon Social app. It is the one and only app For the martial arts enthusiasts, so whether you train judo, jujitsu, boxing, kickboxing, sambo, or wing chung, they have got a system for you to log your training sessions, write yourself notes, and make sure that you can come back and remember everything it is that you do. And we know right now that it's a tough time to be training martial arts. A lot of you guys have had to put that on the show for a little bit while you're locked down. But Maroon Social continues to innovate because they have got great new options as well as now tracking any exercise you do. Maybe you're running, you're doing Pilates, maybe you're doing yoga. You can log all of that in the app now too so that you're staying on top of that training week to week, month to month, which is absolutely positively helpful in a time like this. Plus, they've got other great new features such as putting videos and memes and little pictures of your, your activities, whether it be running or you know jujitsu or something like that. They've got all of that in the app now. So check them out maroon social maroon social brings you this episode of top turtle mma podcast and it starts right now this is daniel guppy Freeman with top turtle mma on flowcombat.com and today i have the pleasure of speaking to charles rosa who's scheduled to fight bryce mitchell at ufc 250 on may 9th so you know, Charles, obviously the, the UFC two hundred forty nine card came and went this past weekend with you know, we wound up seeing zero fights. We saw one fighter make weight, but we saw zero fighters uh actually fight. <laughs> now now we got this fight card on, on May 9th. You're scheduled to be on it. How are you personally dealing with all of the uncertainty?
1: Um, yeah, man. I mean I'm just treating it like I'm fighting for sure. You know, I mean, uh definitely it's it's a huge fight for me and I mean it, like in my head it's hundred percent, you know, a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty with it. You know, they sent the bout agreement yesterday. I signed it. So that's all turned in. It just didn't have a location yet. So we're still waiting on the location. Um, luckily, we were able to have a you know conference call with Dana White. He assured us that we're all going to be safe and the fights are going to happen. So he seemed real confident. And, um, you know, I'm getting my training in. So, so everything's a go for me.
0: Well, and, and I was going to ask you that too. How is your training going? Because obviously I know some gyms shut down. Some places are a little bit more strict than others. You know, I, how often are you able to train? Do you have your usual complement of training partners?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have a very strict training schedule now, so I don't have the exact variety of all the guys I get to usually use, you know. But I got a couple guys that are that are really – that have been set in stone for the last, like, couple months to obviously avoid, you know, cross, uh, I guess, you know, cross training and stuff like that so we can keep it, you know, neutralized and limited. But, yeah, I got two guys. I got my coach. I got three coaches. I got my striking coach, Roger Crowell my head coach Charles McCarthy and then Mike Brown is is my grappling wrestling coach at American Top Team so I got you know three three amazing coaches and I got two training partners so um, you know I'm trying to keep this small uh, the circle small small than usual but uh, I'm getting all the work I need in so I'm real confident going into this.
0: And and how long have you been working specifically with those two training partners and just as a follow-up too how specially picked were they knowing that your opponent was most likely going to be Bryce Mitchell?
1: Yeah, they would definitely uh, specially pick. I got I got two awesome training partners. I got uh, I get this kid. He's a D1 wrestler, Danny Sabatello. They call him the Italian gangster. He's an absolute beast, man. I'm sure he'll make it to UFC one day. D1 wrestler from Purdue, absolute monster. Uh, I think he got a really good pro record. So, you know, definitely a good winning pro record. And uh, then the other guy is the awesome jiu-jitsu guy, Sal Guerrero. So he's competed in the Worlds and the Pan Ams and stuff like that. So I, I'm getting, you know, really good looks from good wrestlers, good jiu-jitsu guys. And uh you know, getting my stand-up work in too, so I'm um, real confident going into it. It's actually almost a little bit better. I'm almost getting better training because there's less people in the gym, so there's uh, a little bit more attention on me which which is always good but uh obviously, I wish this thing never happened, but as far as the fight goes, um, I'm like i said i'm I'm confident going into it, and I have everything I need.
0: Absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, having a D1 wrestler and having a world-class jiu-jitsu guy there. Obviously, you know the type of fight you're going into here against Bryce Mitchell. Now, this is your second straight opponent who is down to seemingly just grapple, right? Manny Bermudez, very similar type of fighter when it comes to to grappling. Are those fights you go looking for, or are those the ones that the UFC just loves matching you with?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love those fights. I mean, I made it clear that then I'm the best just guy in the featherweight division. And I, I mean, if anybody wants to argue that, then they can test me. I mean, I won against all uh, you know all the tough guys. Nobody nobody wants to go to the ground with me. If you watch any of my fights, you know I got three UFC fight of the night bonuses. You know, six UFC fights. There's never been a fight that somebody has initiated taking taking the fight to the ground with me. So, um, you know, that's that's something to be said. You know, when when in all my fights against like, how Shane Burgos. I might have been on the ground for thirty seconds before they were defending submissions before they, you know, brought it back to the feet. So, um, yeah, man, I'm I'm real excited. I mean, I hope he takes to the ground. It'll be it'll be a blessing for me and it'll be a bad night for him. But uh either way, I mean I'm ready. I'm ready wherever the fight goes. I mean I'm a complete mixed martial artist. I got all the skills. I've been around the world for stand up for Thailand. Does kickboxing and I train at the best gym in the planet, American top team and and I'm a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So um, you know, I mean I mean, he can test test me the best he can, but it's going to end bad for him. And
0: and I was going to ask you that, too, because obviously, you know, you mentioned Shane Burgos. You you mentioned uh, Kyle Bochniak. Those guys are a little bit more of grizzled veterans than than Bryce Mitchell here. Do you think Bryce Mitchell's youth or, or, you know, relative newness to the MMA game will make him actually go in there and try to grapple with a guy who has, like you said, maybe some of the best grappling in the featherweight division?
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, he hasn't been exposed to the highest level of jiu-jitsu and grappling in the world yet. I mean, he's fought some tough guys. i got to give him that. and He's a tough kid, undefeated, 12-0, 3-0 in the UFC, coming off submission of the year. But I'm not really sure that he's fought anybody like me, even close. He hasn't fought a real dog yet, and that's what he's going in against, an experienced veteran. So, I mean, I'm, I mean it's definitely going to be a tough night for him.
0: And, and I just got to ask, too, because obviously, you know, there's been a little bit of back and forth about when this fight got booked originally and then, you know, afterwards. Yeah. How much of, of Bryce Mitchell's, you know, social media feed do you pay attention to? He's kind of a quirky guy with crazy antics. What, what are sort of your thoughts on him as a as a person or a fighter, for that matter?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I see some of this stuff. I definitely think he's an entertaining character. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's, he's – he, he, he's a pretty funny kid, you know, he, he comes from, you know, like a little bit of a different neck of the woods than I do, you know, he, he comes from, you know, the country, the middle of Arkansas, you know, seems like from the trailer parks in the woods, and, you know, I come from the city and, and the streets, so it's a little bit of a different style, but, I mean, I think that's the beauty of the fight, you know, you're getting two different kids from two different, complete different locations, raised two different, complete ways, but from the same country, so you're going to see which part of the country is stronger, you know, Boston or Arkansas. So. That's what the fans get to treat for uh, May 9th.
0: Absolutely. Now, and I know too that you know you're you're from Boston originally. You're down in Florida now, correct, for with your ATT guys. Uh, I yep. know also while you were down there for a while, you were also a chef. Is that something that you're still doing, or is that something that is now sort of on the side burner while you continue to fight?
1: Yeah, for sure. That's on the back burner for now, being a chef. But I mean, I I graduated from Johnson and Wales Culinary School. Right when I was like 21 years old, I I finished uh you know three years in culinary school you know got my got my bachelor's degree in culinary arts and uh you know I'm you know so I pursued being a chef for a little for for years I still worked up until about you know six months a year ago at a you know five star fine dining restaurant Cut 432 in Delray Beach, Florida but you know now that you know coming off that big win against Manny Bermudez you know getting performance of the night you know being able to pay my bills doing what I love um, what I truly love is fighting you know I love cooking too but fighting is my true passion um, is, is 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 you know what I gotta set hundred percent of my energy on so if I'm taking anything away from my fighting then I, I, I don't I don't want to do that I want to give this dream and my goal hundred percent you know of my energy to win the world title and that's what I'm doing I'm putting all my effort into this now so you know all my chips are in on this fight on', on fighting and, and you know I'm going for the kill may 9th and, uh, you know, it's pretty cool coming off the big win, you know, submission, you know, submission of the night against Manny Bermuda who everybody said. Like what we were talking about before, I once said that, that Manny was the best jujitsu guy. He was submitting everyone. He had like 12 or 13 submission wins. And But, you know, I mean, there's levels to this stuff. And, you know, Manny found out the hard way and then Bryce school too. I
0: love that that mentality there. Now, I, I have to ask, too, like in your perfect world here, you know, you said you could beat him anywhere. You, you have faith in your stand-up. You have your faith in, in your complete MMA game. In the perfect world, though, do you want to submit him for the notoriety of that? Is is that an ultimate goal of yours here?
1: Um, I I mean I would like to knock him out honestly. I mean if he comes in too hot on me, he's gonna get caught. I'm gonna knock him out, but I, I would really like a highlight reel knockout because I haven't had one yet in the UFC. You know I had I had a beautiful submission win, my first UFC win ever in the Boston Garden was probably one of my favorite ones. I submitted Sean Soriano in the first round. I mean, in the third round with short time left in the fight with a, with, with with a nice choke. And that was like one of the most amazing moments of my life. But, um, you know, and then I'm coming off a nice on-bar win, but I think, you know, I, I would really like a highlight reel knockout for this one.
0: I like it. Now, before I let you go here, I do have one final question for you. So, uh, fans obviously have been sitting at home without fights for a long time. A lot of people watching UFC Fight Pass or ESPN Plus looking for old fights. I want to ask you, as a fighter, if you could have uh, fans go back and watch just one of your fights, which one would you recommend that they go back and watch?
1: Oh, man, there's so many good ones. I, I mean, I really like the... Uh I mean, even though I came up short, I think it was my first UFC fight and my first loss. I was 9-0 with all first-round finishes coming into this fight. I took the fight on four days' notice against Dennis Seaver. But I fought Dennis Seaver, you know, in, in, in Stockholm, Sweden. He's a European guy. And he was top ten in the world at the time. But I went in, and it was a fight of the night. Truly amazing fight, man. I, if you guys could go back and watch that one. Even though I came up a little bit short in the scorecards, I thought, you know, it was a really close fight. I ended the fight on top, punching him in the face. So, I mean, I was... I mean, I was fighting to the end. It was, it was definitely a close fight, but, uh and obviously I had it on short notice. But I think if you go back and watch that one, there was it was a fight of the year candidate also. So definitely check that one out.
0: Awesome. Great recommendation there. Once again, fans, this was Charles Rosa scheduled to fight Bryce Mitchell at UFC 250 on May 9th. Make sure to go ahead and check out his fight with Dennis Eber. Charles, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, brother. Appreciate you, man.
0: This is Daniel Gumby Freeman with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Nico Price, who is scheduled to fight Vicente Luque at UFC 250 on May 9th. So uh, Nico, obviously this this past weekend came and went, and you were supposed to have that fight this past weekend. Now you're listed to fight again. Nobody really knows where. H- how are you dealing with all of this uncertainty?
2: I'm just training, you know, taking that day at a time. You know, just, as long as my family's okay, I'm all happy. So. Well,
0: that's a, a certain. That's certainly a great approach. Now, you you, you said training. How, how easy is it to train at these times? Are you getting your normal kind of training sessions in as a result?
2: Oh yeah, I'm making it happen. You know, we're out here. It's hard, but we make it happen.
0: And, and do you have the the usual complement of training partners, or is is this uh you know like obviously a pared down version of training camp?
2: No, I get. I definitely have uh, good training partners, quality training partners. Um, I don't have as many, but yeah, I, you know, it has dimmered down a little bit. Not everyone wants to come out right now,
0: and, and that certainly makes sense. Now, uh, you know, you said you're you're doing well, and as long as your family's, you know, in good shape, but this past weekend, you know, you were supposed to fight. How, how deep were you into like losing weight and preparing for the fight in that way? Uh, when they eventually called it off?
2: Oh, I was good. You know, I was like 183. Mm-hmm. And then I was just chilling. That's normally what I walk at anyway. I walk around 185 anyway. So, it's not really bad. The weight cutting part's not really an issue for me.
0: That's interesting that you you only weigh 183 because, you know, a lot of people at 170 pounds are walking around quite a bit bigger than that. You know, I remember Darren Till talking about walking around over 200 pounds for 170. What's sort of your reason for sticking at 170 then and not, you know, trying a, a substantially harder weight cut?
2: So I don't have to do what he does and go up a weight class. <laughs> That's a fair answer. You know, you know? <laughs> but if I had to. Go up a weight class, it won't be for years mm-hmm. until I don't feel like cutting the, the little bit of weight I cut anyway.
0: And, and do you feel like that gives you, you an advantage? And, and if so, what what's the biggest advantage you get out of walking around at, you know, one, 183?
2: Just feeling as normal as possible, you know? Like, not dying cutting the weight. A lot of people, cutting, they cut a lot of weight, like you just said, and then it'll hack your performance. So, you know, I just like doing me.
0: I, I like that approach. Now, let, let's talk about the fight itself, because you're, you're fighting Vicente Luque here, who who you fought fought before. You know, you fought him on short notice. Uh, he picked up a, a win way back then. Not a lot of fighters out there get a chance to avenge their first ever loss. What, what does this mean to you in, in getting this rematch finally?
2: it's just a blessing to get a fight at this time in general you know to have the company call and be like yeah you want to fight yeah i want to (laughs) fight do we know who uh not yet i'll let you know (laughs) and then i found out it was him and i was like oh definitely i would love to fight him again you know like he's a good fighter yeah he's a good guy too he's not a jerk or nothing like He's a noble warrior. It's going to be a great fight, man. I'm stoked.
0: Absolutely. And, and obviously, you know, the preparation for that fight was a little bit tricky, being that you only knew he was going to be your opponent for a short while. O- other than that, what do you feel like has changed the most about your game since then?
2: Oh, nothing. Just going to go in there and be Nico. Have fun, man. Do what God told me to do. And that's fight. Fight hard. And don't quit.
0: I like that approach. That b Nico approach has certainly given us lots of highlights as it is. Um, I, you, and speaking of that, let, let's talk about that for a second. You know, you got a, an up kick knockout in a most your most recent fight, and then you got a, a knockout on your record from Hammerfist from the bottom and what I, I deem is one of the most ridiculous looking knockouts of all time. Is that the just b Nico approach? Is that like, you know, just go out there and have fun? Is that what you attribute those knockouts to?
2: Yeah, man, it's just, that's God giving me a gift for praying Him, praising Him. You know? Oh no! Oh, I thought my phone died. I thought the computer died. I was like, oh no! Um, no, man, that's just that's just a blessing for all the hard work we put in. You know, the dedication. You know, I'm I'm like I said, I I can't be more blessed than I am.
0: Uh, I like that that approach here, too. Now, you're fighting, like we said, Nico or you're fighting Vicente Luque here, and it's a rematch. You said you just, you know, you're pretty much the same fighter as you were before. You feel like, you know, you just go out, have fun, be Nico. What do you think the outcome is this time? Do you have a prediction, or is that, like, you know, loose lifestyle, or that loose game planning just sort of leading you to whatever happens, happens?
2: No, I'm going to go in there, and I plan on coming out with a W. I don't know how it's going to happen, but My hand will be raised. That's 100.
0: All right. And now I I do have one more question because I've been asking all the fighters that I've interviewed since this uh, quarantine has happened. There's obviously a lot of fans sitting at home waiting for fights to happen, hoping for fights to happen, and and not really having any live fights to happen. So a lot of them going back and watching replays on on whatever streaming service they have. Is there a fight of yours that you would suggest the most for fans to go back and watch? If you could only pick one.
2: If I could only pick one. (laughs) Mm. Right now, Forrest Griffin, Anderson Silva.
0: All right. Forrest Griffin, Anderson Silva. It's your favorite. How about one with you in it as well?
2: Oh, if I with me in it?
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, oh, man. I don't know. Go watch my debut. That's a fun one. When I fought Brandon Datch.
0: And that's the one you got the submission victory, correct?
2: Yeah. Re- uh, what I get? Arm, arm, arm triangle choke.
0: Like yeah. Yeah. All right, well, there's your recommendation, fans. Once again, this was Nico Price, who is scheduled to fight Vicente Luque at UFC 250 on May 9th. We'll keep our fingers crossed for that and for your performance as well, Nico. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you, man. This episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by a ladder. Have you tried like 600 different supplements and pre-workouts and you're tired of looking for the perfect one? Well, you're not alone. In fact, LeBron James was there during the NBA Finals, cramping up, feeling awful. And and if you've ever cramped up during Jiu-Jitsu or MMA, you know it is the absolute worst. But that's why LeBron teamed up with Arnold Schwarzenegger to create ladder and change the way that supplements are made. Their supplements have carefully been crafted by top scientists for high-level performance, quality, and most important to me, taste. I've been throwing their Tropical Fruit pre-workout in before my quarantine training sessions and I feel better than ever. And they're also third-party NSF certified, which means I can count on knowing that only the best stuff is going into my body. Now, they want to help you unlock the best in any situation and that means access to special offers and expert advice. And you can do all of that at ladder.sport. That's L A D D E R sport S-P-O-R-T, and make sure while you're there, you use promo code BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off your whole order. And I, of course, am Daniel Gumby, Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. Dave, we're going to be excited for any fighting if it does, in fact, go down, but as a grappling nerd, I got to ask you, how fun is Bryce Mitchell and Charles Robson going to be?
3: OMG, I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it, Jesse Spano, Saved by the Bell, uh that fight is bonkers good. That whole card sounds awesome. And we have so little to look forward to in sports nowadays. Uh I felt like watching ESPN's The Last Dance was as close as I've come to actually watching a sporting event recently. So that all being said, I'm excited for the card and that this is a sneaky fun matchup uh between two really good grapplers and you know, two I, I think even though Charles Rosa's been in the game a minute Two really exciting up-and-coming fighters, I'll call them.
0: Yeah, because you're 100% right. Like, like Charles Rosa is a guy who we've seen, it it feels like forever. Like, if you go back and and look at our our, uh, past episodes... Charles Russell was actually on our first episode three years ago. So he's definitely been in the game for a while, but he's still in his early 30s. So, like, a guy in his early 30s, uh, especially starting to put together a little bit of a run. You know, he had that win against Kyle Bochniak. He had that win over Manny Bermudez. He had the split decision loss to Yair Rodriguez, who we're now talking about a, as a top five guy in the division with a win over Korean Zombie. So, like, you know, like, the fact that he has had a run that looks like it does right now, it, it's sort of exciting.
3: Yeah, you know, I actually, you're so right. He's in his early third. He's in his early 30s, and I use the phrase up and coming. And I guess he doesn't qualify for that, but he is someone who is a go to your bookie now. He is a candidate, and I'm not saying put the life savings on it, but he is a candidate for one of those guys who puts it all together and just peaks at the right time. And maybe we get like the very best version of Charles Rosa for the next two to three years. Does that get him? a title does it get him in the top five maybe and that's pretty exciting i love in the interview how he says he's the best grappler at 145 and you know there's an argument to be made there he certainly uh got a sub game on him and it brings us to our main body of the show today a perfect segue to uh uh, a segment we – have we ever done this before, Gumby, or is this our I, I first time? I don't think so.
0: I tried to look back at the archives. It, I mean, three years of archives. I couldn't for sure tell you that we don't have it in there, but I'm pretty sure we've never done this.
3: Okay, this feels like a very Top Turtle thing to do. We're going to break down the best grappler at every division and, of course, welcome your feedback on our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. You can let us know what we get right, what we, you think we got wrong. Roast away if you feel like it. Uh, so I'm very excited to do this, but Gumby, I do have to ask, does any fine company sponsor this Best Grappler by Division segment?
0: Absolutely, this Best Grappler by Division segment is brought to you by Battle Clan Gear. Visit BattleClanGear.com, make sure to use promo code Up 10 that's T-U-R-T-L-E, UP10 for 10% off your whole order there. Their gear looks so nice and it feels even better. So when you do finally get back into the gym, you want to make sure you're g- doing so with some fresh duds. So do so at battleclangear.com.
3: All right, I'm going to say, you know, if you win uh, an award for best motion picture, best director, best actor, you're first of course going home with an Oscar. For Best Grappler, how do you feel about calling it the George Award uh, in honor of George St. Pierre? Or do you have someone else you'd like to title this award after?
0: I think the Georges are good, but I especially because you could call them the Georges and, and pretend that there's a double S at the end. Um, but you could also – I would definitely sort of lean towards the Hicksons. You might want to call them the Hicksons.
3: Okay. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I Actually, I love that because I'm a huge Hickson mark, as we say. So we'll call it the Hicksons. Do you want to go Hickson by division? Do you want to go starting lowest to highest or highest to lowest?
0: I think highest weights to lowest weights, because in my opinion, some of the higher weights are much easier. Yeah, okay, highest so will kind of
3: build up to the harder. Yeah. Now, let's also, for our loyal fans, define what we think a grappler is, because of course there are excellent wrestlers. There are people with tremendous submission games and it all gets blended together in the octagon in mixed martial arts. So how are we defining for our Hickson awards? What makes the best grappler?
0: So I would say that the best grappler is somebody who can do everything that we think of with grappling. So anything that you can think of using control, but also with submission. So it it needs to be a little bit of both. So I I would say there are going to be some people out there who have absolutely positively the best jujitsu once it hits the mat but can't wrestle worth a shit and as a result those are some of the people who we've like weeded out of these awards if they're like an amazing grappler and you've never seen them attempt to take down or if they looked miserable doing so they probably get out of there uh, same with somebody who's like got phenomenal ground and pound top game but if he's ever been on his back and he looks like he doesn't know what he's doing, that's the type of person we might weed out here too. So we're looking for somebody who's complete, whether he's on the top, on the bottom, he can get it to the top, he can work from the bottom, or she, for that matter. So we're looking for somebody who can do it all It is is like the most complete MMA grappler per division.
3: Okay, I like it. And it goes conversely to say, too, you could be great at takedowns and, like you said, top control, but if you don't have a sub to your game, uh, or to your name, then you don't really qualify for a a goddamn Hickson award because it's named after Hickson Gracie. (laughs) So we we want to see a little sub action. So let's start at the top. We've talked long enough. Who is the best UFC heavyweight grappler?
0: think i have to give this and i went back and forth between two names real hard i think i gotta give this to alexio Linick. he has the most ridiculous submission record out of any guy on record and he can wrestle a little bit too like i i know some people are instantly going to be like oh but you know his wrestling's not that great his submission game is so good that i think it it trumps the fact that his wrestling is probably worse than you know somebody like steven miocic or something like that he has 57 wins in his career 45 of them are by submission that means he's won 12 times in like a freaking 70 fight career he's won 12 times not by submission which includes some some real basic stuff right like 12 Ezekiel cho- or 12 rear naked chokes five triangles three armbars but it also includes 11 Ezekiel chokes in three scarf hold headlocks which to me is, like, a, a freaking ridiculous thing to hit in an MMA fight. So, like, I, I think just his submission game and, and those Ezekiel throws from the bottom, too, just make him such a danger to everybody, and, and I think probably the best heavyweight grappler.
3: That's where I came in as well, just because of the amount of submissions. And the other thing is, you could look at his record. He has 7 billion fights and fought in Russia for 30 years. Let's not forget, uh, Alexei Olenek is no spring chicken. He is 77 years old. (laughs) I am on the Internet, and that's just true. You can't dispute it. So you can say to yourself, all right, a lot of these submissions happen in early MMA. You know, this guy's been fighting for four decades, and that's Mm -hmm. not a lie because uh, I think his first fight was in 1999, if I'm not mistaken. But
2: you could say, oh, he
3: fought against worse competition. Yeah, okay, fine, whatever. But guess what? He's doing this at the UFC, at the most elite level. Uh, so for me, it is Alexio Linick. Maybe if Frank Mir were still in the UFC, uh, you know, we could we could maybe go back and forth on who has the better MMA, jiu-jitsu submission game between those two. The other name in my mind, and I think it's probably who you're hinting at, is really good with takedowns and top control. We saw him split Overeem's head open like a pinata from top, ground, and pound, and that, of course, is Curtis Blades.
0: Yeah, I, I, he was the other name on my list, too. I, I thought about Stipe, but just, like, other than the Naganu fight, we haven't seen him grapple in forever, I feel like. Um, you know, Verdun stuck out as a possibility, too. But, yeah, Curtis Blades was probably mm. my 1A pick just because, you're, you're right, his top game is so suffocating that even though, like, you know, his jujitsu jitsu might be, I mean, obviously lower than a Linux, but, like, a little bit on the lower side compared to where his wrestling is, that wrestling really, like, trumps it all. So, yeah, I had him as a 1A pick.
3: You know, I didn't even, I'll be completely honest with you. I, this is maybe embarrassing as the host of a podcast on flowcombat.com. I forgot Verdun was still in the UFC because of suspension, but you're right, he even has a fight booked Verdum would probably be the other name, but I'll tell you why I'm actually going to stand up to the haters online who are going to hit us up and say, nah, you didn't pick Verdum and his jiu-jitsu is so much better than Linux. but you know what? Linux still has a higher uh, percentage of wins by submission than Verdum, so while I know Verdum's probably done it against more top-flight competition. He did it against, you know, high-altitude Kane and all the rest, but for me, it's still a because a Linux is really a, a, a one-trick pony.
0: Yeah, and I also you don't see much from Verdum off the top, you know. And, and again, you're probably gonna hear some people complain mm, yeah. about what I'm saying here, but like, you know, his his last two submissions are an armbar from Walt Harris back? and and uh, guillotine against Cain Velasquez. So. You'd have to go all the way back, I think, to the big Nogue submission, which is in 2013, in order to get a, a good submission off the top. Uh, you know, and before that, it was Fedor's triangle armbar and, and a guillotine to Mike Kyle. We're talking about like a decade with like one or two top game submissions. The, the top game piece to me is what's tricky with Verdue. Uh,
3: yeah such a great point um all right let's move on uh 205 who you got uh,
0: you know i went back and forth this one i think you just have to say john jones right like
3: yeah that's it's, where i came in too I'm it, so it, seems, glad you said it. it seems
0: so stupid because you're like ah he's the champ like is that just an easy pick yeah it is a fucking easy pick and it's an easy pick because while we haven't seen him grapple in a while you cannot forget that You know, grappling involves some stand-up aspects, too, right? He choked Loyola Machida unconscious on his feet. He tapped out Rampage on the ground. Rampage, a guy who hadn't tapped in a fucking really long time. And, like, he, he just basically, when he wants to grapple, is the best grappler in that division, and it's not close... It, his striking is so much head and shoulders above some other people that he feels the need to just strike all the time. But I actually think if he went to the ground with some of these guys who were seeing these close stand up matchups too, he would probably decimate them. You also have to remember all those times that he had those amazing striking clinics on the ground. He broke Bryn and Vera's eye socket. He uh, got that um, crucifix on Vladimir Matyushenko and landed like 750 elbows in a row. Like, the guy is just an absolute killer on the ground. And, and while it's like the easy answer here, I, I think it's the only answer here, to be honest.
3: Hey, I, I agree with you completely, because let's look at his two biggest rivals at this point, unless you want to talk about, you know... One of the three challengers this past year that I think people artificially inflate just cause I think it's an older John Jones. We're kind of seeing the downfall, which mm. still looks really good cause yeah, it's John that's... Jones. So take away whatever you want to say about the last three performances where guys, you know, looked really good against him. John Jones's main two rivals and the people that have given him probably their best, the best fights are Daniel Cormier and Gustafsson. And in the rematch with Gustafson, he ended up subbing him. Am I wrong in saying that, or was it ground and pound? He subbed him. I right? think he su I can't believe I
0: can't come up with this. We'll put the intern on it. Give me two seconds.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm almost positive he subbed him in the third round. After, you know, winning the striking battle, it went to the ground and I don't know. That's just in my memory. And then he out wrestled Daniel Cormier, who's an Olympic wrestler. Yeah. And that's all you need to know about John Jones' grappling. He I- out Intern says TKO, by the way. <laughs> oh, why did I think he got a darse off of him? That's so weird. Okay, I apologize. Um anyway. Uh, that's that, and it's John Jones, and there's really no debating it, but if you want to debate it, at up to MMA on Twitter. Let's move then to middleweight. There is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu World Champion at this division. There's some good wrestlers at this division, uh, an Olympic wrestler at that. Who's the 185 best grappler?
0: Uh, so I went back and forth on a bunch of these because I, I think there are some good options jujitsu wise and there's some good options wrestling wise and I was trying to think of somebody who could put it all together and I, I'm just going to go ahead and say the name first that I didn't pick because I don't want people to hate on me. Rodolfo Vieira is the best jujitsu guy here. I'm not mm-hmm. sold on his ability mm-hmm. to, to MMA wrestle yet. Uh, in his two fights that he's had so far, he's you know, mixed bag of results against low level competition in the UFC. So like, I I like Rodolfo Vieira. He is a world champion and like, we're not going to take anything away from Rodolfo Vieira, but until he shows me like the full MMA grappling game, I'm not picking him as the best UFC grappler right now. The name I think I'm going to go with, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think I'm picking Jack Hermanson in that division. Uh, and just hear me (laughs) out. Jack, Jack Hermanson, uh, took Thiales Laties down and TKO'd him on the ground. Jack Hermanson guillotine choked Gerald Mearshart, who's got like four hundred and fifty submissions. Jack Hermanson guillotined David Branch, who's got like four hundred and seventy submissions. Jack Hermanson outgrappled Jocker, who is, you know, probably one of the people we would consider on this list. Jack Hermanson also just lost by TKO to Jared Cannonier, but not before taking a guy who a lot of people see as a decent wrestler in that division, Jared Cannonier, down to the ground in the first round. So, like, he is a guy who's mixed in some really good wrestling, some really sneaky guillotine chokes with the arm in, which are really fun to check out. And he's got great counters on the ground. So, I think there are a lot of really great choices in this, this division. But I think if I'm trying to combine all of the different aspects... I think I'm picking Jack Hermanson as, like, a really good sleeper pick here.
3: All right. Well, send your hate tweets to at Gumby Vreeland on Twitter. (laughs) I, myself, will still pick Jacare, but you do bring up the good point that he outgrappled Jacare. But I just think, you know, we're also getting the age 40 Jacare. Mm -hmm. I'll give him a pass. Uh, I think Jacare's body of work at 185 uh, speaks for itself. Let's move then to oh, the. Oh, we should also definitely
0: is... mention Shoeface in there, too. Antonio Carlos Jr. is, mm. a, I had him on my shirt <laughs> list, too. The dude had, like, 42 submissions in a row, so I feel like he's probably worth mentioning there, too. Uh,
3: well, we have more of the same, actually, at 170, where you have a lot of high-level champion wrestlers up to, and including the, the champion, uh, actually, is uh, incredible. Incredible. Uh, MMA wrestler. I know his amateur pedigree might not be, you know, what we've seen from some Olympians that have come into the UFC or or, or college champions or what have you. But make no mistake, Usman is one of the greatest uh, MMA grapplers. He's the champion. But then you also have guys like Damian Maia with a million submissions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Who are we going with at 170? So I'm glad
0: that you mentioned uh, Kamar Usman because I think Kamar Usman is a guy a lot of people, you know, think of as a good wrestler. And he was a D2 college champion. So, I mean, that's worth mentioning, too. For me, just like, eh, I do think Kamar Usman probably deserves to be on this list. But it's so hard for me to not pick Demian Maya in being that Kamar Usman didn't try to grapple him even in the slightest. You know what I mean? Like, and, and yeah, Whoa. Damian Maia's takedown game, not really that good, but it hasn't stopped him from beating wrestlers who think they can take him down, right? Like he, he dismantled Ben Askren on the ground. He made Ben Askren look like a <laughs> novice on the ground in that, in that second and third round. He made him look like he'd never done it before. And he also took Gilbert Burns down twice. So, like, yeah, like, you're right. His his grappling or his takedown game wasn't good enough to get Usman or Colby down. But, like, the, the level of jujitsu he's got versus Colby and Usman is so much better that I think, like, the discrepancy in wrestling is probably easier to overlook to me than the, the clear mastery of the game that Demian Maya has. So I think if you're looking for the best MMA grappler, I think you've got to pick him, right? Like, uh, four takedowns against Jorge Masvidal. Uh, you know, three takedowns against Matt Brown. You know, he took Antonio Rocco Martin down fucking three times and, and just absolutely manhandled him on the ground. And, and you know, like taking Gilbert Burns down twice is, is no small feat either. That dude is a killer grappler as well.
3: I, I think this is probably the best. Well, so far, because, you know, as we get to the lighter divisions, there are going to be a lot of options. This might be the best question you know, to maybe pose out to the fans is, is it Usman or is it Maya? Because in my estimation, Usman out grappled Maya because Maya couldn't take Usman down. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, you know, I'm fine picking Maya here because of his level of jujitsu submission skills, but the big knock on Maya for being claimed the king grappler is always going to be that you look at him against the three best wrestlers in the division. And he, he couldn't yeah. do shit. I think he's he like over
0: thirty shit. in takedowns in those fights. Which yeah, exactly. I, I'm not building a really great case here, but yeah, like
3: no, but no, but that I mean I think that almost lies at the heart of what is a good grappler, yeah. and it's you know it's very complicated in a lot of ways because it's not just takedowns, but that's obviously a huge part of it. Cause that's where Maya's going to mm-hmm. do his work. But if Maya were to get any of those guys to the ground, I'm pretty fucking confident that he would have subbed one of them. Yeah. But he at wasn't least, able at to least get them to the, the ground. Three.
0: At least one of the three, he would have. I also want to throw an honorable right. mention out here too, before we move to 55, Michael Chiesa looks so good at, at welterweight. <laughs> you know, like he hasn't like, you know, he hasn't beat the cream of the crop in the division yet. He hasn't gotten those matchups yet, but like, God, does he look good grappling at 170. He should have been there for a long-ass time.
3: If your answer isn't Habib at 155, let's move to 145. Do you want to say anything if it's not Habib?
0: Uh, I do want to give an honorable mention. So I did pick Habib, obviously, but I am going to give an honorable mention to Charles Oliveira. Um, It clearly doesn't have the wrestling game enough to be considered here, but, like, Charles Oliveira as a possibility there just absolutely – I, I mean, like, look at how good he looked against Kevin Lee, right? Um, but like, I was originally, cause, cause you know, I'm a little bit of a Habib hater. I was going to try to like sway the the thought process and saying, no, we should pick Charles Oliveira instead, because I knew it would piss you off too. And then I went to look at how many submissions Habib would have, being like, oh, he's only got this. Over a third of his his wins are by submission. He's got 20, what 29 wins in his career, right? 28. Yeah. Yeah. Tw- yeah. somewhere in there he's got 10 submissions so over a third of his wins are by submission and and yeah i guess you could say he doesn't have a lot of them in the ufc but god i mean like the last two were submissions right like he submitted
3: conor mcgregor and he submitted dustin
0: poyer like what else do you need
3: uh i guess the other argument would be is tony in the mix but, again, not coming from the top, he, he's more of a I bottom guy. I mean, here's
0: my, here's my big knock on Tony Ferguson here, too. If, if we're talking about the complete game, he does have really good top game subs. But you also have to remember, the dude was put on his back by Kevin Lee multiple times. And until Kevin Lee was very tired, the submissions off of his back weren't really close. When Kevin Lee got super staff gassed or whatever the hell he had... Then the submission went right into play, and, and Tony Ferguson's, I would say Tony Ferguson's heart got him that fight more than his jiu-jitsu did, um, and his stamina got him there more than his jiu-jitsu did, because that, to me, is the big knock on Tony Ferguson as, like, the most complete grappler uh, in the UFC.
3: Uh, totally agree. Let's move to 145. You have a champion, much like Usman, who is very good at top control, uh, takedowns, although we haven't seen it in his last two fights, which have been, uh, largely up wars. Uh, and then you have a million options for guys that have actually so- shown a sub game who you got at 145.
0: I'm taking the easy way out here, too, and I'm taking Volkanovski. Uh, I just think his performance against Chad Mendes uh, shows me the, like, sweep game and get-up game and, like, forward pressure game, plus, like, what he had done in the top game to everybody else coming before that. I I think completely Volkanovski is probably the best grappler in that division, but I do have to say, when I was making a list for 145, it is a ridiculous ridiculously long list of people who are very close. Um, you, you got people like, you know, the aforementioned Charles Rosa, who has an absolutely amazing record at 145. You got Ryan Hall, although the huge Ryan knock Hall. on Ryan Hall too is right. Like no wrestling pretty much at all, right? Like if he's taking you down, it's through an Imanari roll. Uh, you got people like Makwan Amirikani, you got Dan Ige who's really exciting, you got Mirsad Bechtik who I think gets slept on a lot as being as good of a grappler as he is, um, Darren Elkins is in that division, there's like a lot of people who have like a fun mix of like different styles, like super jiu-jitsu or super wrestling or super, but like Volkanovski has it all I think, and for me... I, I think that's why you got to go with Volkanovski, even though he's, you know, again, it, picking a champion feels like the easy way out, but I also think it's the right answer.
3: Yeah, I can't, you know, for the same reasons that I guess you couldn't go with Usman, I can't go with Volkanovski because it, he, does, he does not have any submissions, um, but his top control is obviously incredible. Uh, but again, you know, uh, uh, Chad Mendes took him down two or three times. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, you know, true. you talked about his getup prowess, but I don't think he took down Mendez once. So there again, you have a guy mm-hmm. who was unable to take that good top control, much like Maya has good submissions, but was not able to take the, the good wrestler down. I guess I lean Ryan Hall because at least, you know, we have seen him take wrestlers down. Am I wrong in saying that he took Gray Maynard down? I think he did, right? I don't think For so, because I
0: all I can remember with the Gray Maynard fight is every time Gray got close enough to clinch him or a box with him, he fell to his ass. So I just can't right. remember. You know, and, and that was a weird stylistic choice, and, and it was an effective one. He definitely won that fight, in my opinion, despite the complainers. But I don't know that, like, I don't remember him taking him down. I would definitely have to go back and watch, but I can't imagine Ryan Hall shooting a takedown on Gray Maynard.
3: You know what I mean? That no, that, was, I thought, that was the I, big
0: the big takeaway for me. I
3: I I thought he like immin like you said imminari roll took him oh, down. Yeah. So that's another one at 145. Do you go with the submission specialist? You can't take anyone down, or do you go with the guy who has good top control but no submissions? Very interesting. Let's move on. Who you got at 135?
0: Uh, I'm going with Aljo here. Aljamain Sterling for me. Uh, and I debated it. You know, Henry Cejudo's in this division. The dude is a gold medalist. Marlon Moraes. Marlon Marais is in the... Hani yeah, yeah, is a sleepy pick here, too, because he's got fucking 750 submissions, too. Uh, he just has a little bit of trouble getting people down. Um, it, You know, we've got the guy who's about to fight Uh, Henry Cejudo in this division, you know, Dominic Cruz. Yeah, yeah we haven't seen him in three years, but, like, let's not forget what Dominic Cruz did to Mighty Mouse in, in their fight, right? Like, this is a guy who's got some really good takedowns here. So if, But if we're talking about UFC and we're talking about the complete game, Henry Cejudo's subgame is not Aljamain Sterling's subgame, right? To me, the difference between what those two can do wrestling-wise, it's there, but it's not as big as the difference of what they can do submission-wise. Not only did Aljamain Sterling take down somebody like Cody Stamen, who is an excellent wrestler— but he also was able to just manipulate his way to his back, work on different submissions from there, and hit shit that's creative too, right? And, and to me, I feel like if we're trying to separate, like, you know, what makes them a good grappler and, and what, what puts you in the top tier and what puts you in that secondary tier and what makes the guy number one in number 1A, you know, like, Henry Sudo has zero submissions in his life. Not, not in the UFC, in his life there are none of his fights have been have gone to submission so uh and that's offensively or defensively so you know i i, I don't think you could pick him despite the fact that he's clearly the best wrestler and, and i think algermain sterling having good enough wrestling to you know maybe not be in the same conversation but be in a an outside conversation with henry sudo and then having that good of jujitsu i think i go algermain sterling
3: uh, I have zero complaints about that. One is 125 even even a division.
0: Yes, I would say that it is. I, you know, I and, and a lot of people talked about how when that title fight uh, resulted in nobody winning a title, uh, that like this is the end of the division. But if you look since then, the UFC has signed two different contender series fights, so four fighters in total. Um to deals in that that flyweight division, and they signed Manel Cap, who was the 135-pound champ uh, in Ryzen, and immediately he says he's dropping down to, to flyweight. So, you know, like I think they're making an investment in flyweight. They see that there's some potential there, and, you know, it might take a while for somebody to spark up. But, yes, I 100% think it's still a division, and I think the right answer here is Joseph Benavides. Um, you know, for Ooh. who some people see as the sort of uncrowned champion here, the dude has a ton of submissions on his record, right? I think he's close to double digits in terms of submissions. He guillotine choked Tim Elliott, who some people might put on this list is is one. You know, he he you know he, he holds a split decision victory over Henry Cejudo, uh, somewhat by gra- his grappling, right? Like his grappling looked good in that fight. Um, you know, his his match with Dustin Ortiz was like a grappling super fight. It was so fun to watch. Um, and you, plus, you, you know, you've got all those guillotines that he's got too with the the Joseph Benavidez guillotine where he throws the legs up on the shoulder. You know, you got to go back to WEC for some of those. But the guy has got a really phenomenal submission game. Um, it's sort of a shame that he's, you know, never been the champ. But I think between his wrestling, which looks like, you know, the standard alpha male wrestler, and what you've seen out of him submission-wise, I think you got to pick Joseph Benavidez.
3: Won't argue. Uh, Let's move over to the ladies uh, and we'll start with the robust and so many options uh, and just such a historically great division of 145-pound women. Ha, ha, ha. Just kidding. We're not going to do that division. Uh, Let's just start with 135. Who's the best grappler?
0: I think at 135, I am, uh, you know, and and it's worth mentioning that we know Amanda Nunes is a really great grappler, too, but I think I want to go with Ketlin Vieta. Ketwin uh, Vieta, who I had pegged, is probably about to get a title shot until she recently got knocked out by Irina Aldana, whose boxing looks familiar, or, uh, phenomenal right now, but but certainly that doesn't help in this instance. But she's somebody who beat Kat Zingano by taking Kat Zingano down multiple times, which is, you know, damn impressive. She she both took down and swept uh Olympic wrestlers, Sarah McMahon. And not only did she do that, but she put Sarah McMahon in like the most wrestling esque finish the MMA's got, the the head and arm choke. So she picks up a head and arm choke over uh, an Olympic level wrestler. Uh and you know, like if you look at her other fights too, she fought women who've got decent wrestling backgrounds and she out wrestled them. So her wrestling's good, her jujitsu's good. I mean she's only got one loss on her record. Um, you know, if you look at her takedown defense in the UFC, it is 92%. So she's damn near impossible to take down herself. That only one takedown uh, out of a possible 12 tries goes to Sarah McMahon, who, again, like I said, is an Olympic wrestler. And then she swept her. So uh, I'm going to go with Ketlin Vieta. Uh,
3: no complaints from me. Let's go to 125, which uh, could get interesting.
0: Yeah, this one's really hard. I had it, uh, I think I picked four here who I was all considering. Um, first of all, Valentina Shevchenko. And, and maybe you can help me narrow this one down. Valentina Shevchenko looked really good on the ground in that third round, the first time she fought Amanda Nunes. So that was worth mentioning. She looked really good against Priscilla Cachoeira, but, like, I don't know. Do we really want to count that? Uh, and and then, like, I haven't seen much more out of her on the ground lately, right? Like, her lately but like we we counted John Jones, so like maybe she's still the right answer. I also wanna throw out Roxanne Mattafari. Roxanne Mattafari is so fucking good on the ground. She just controlled Macy Barber there recently. She controlled, you know, Valentina's little sister, Antonia or Antonina Shevchenko on the ground. She's worth mentioning. I also, from just like a pure grappling standpoint, really love Jillian Robertson's grappling game. The the Dean Thomas influence on Jillian Robertson is so fucking clear and so good that, like, it, like, excites me when she's grappling because I know I'm about to see, like, some of Dean Thomas's tricks come out. You know, like, the, the leg trips that you see lead to, you know, back takes and stuff like that. Her, her shit is really good. So I, I was leaning Jillian Robertson, but but you help me out here. Which one do you like
3: best? Yeah, so I like uh, Shipchenko best just because <laughs> I think she does flash the sub game. She has some wins. Uh, via submission, and she also controls via takedowns too. I was looking at her last two fights; she's won the takedown game like three to zero, two to zero, and and before that, two to zero. So, I, I go Valentina Shevchenko. I also like the Jillian Robertson pick, but just as an honorable mention, if we do this again in a year or two years, and she has more of a body of work we could draw off of, especially maybe being a
0: Especially being as young as she is and continuing to work with yeah. Dean. I know Dean has left American Top Team, but it seems like Jillian Robertson is one of those ones who is going to continue to work with him even though he's gone. So, like, if she continues to work with Dean Thomas, I think you're 100% right. Being as young as she is, she's got room to grow. I'm also going to throw, two, just an honorable mention in there, too. I've been really impressed with JoJo Calderwood's fucking grappling since she started deciding that, like, she can grapple a little bit. I thought she won that fight with uh, – Um, damn, her name's escaping me. Caitlin Chokagian. I thought she won that fight with Caitlin Chokagian through her grappling. Uh, the judges obviously disagreed with the split decision, but she's a really interesting one too. And it's going to be interesting to see what she does when she gets to fight
3: Shevchenko. Yeah, agreed. Uh, all right. Well, we already know what the answer is at 115. Let's wrap up the show and go home. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, it is obviously Tatiana Suarez, but why don't you give the quick bio on why it's Tatiana Suarez, the female Khabib.
0: I was a little bit worried you were going to say somebody else in there. Uh, I I don't know why we're both such big Tatiana Suarez fanboys. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, her wrestling looks so fucking good, and she's, she is absolutely positively active when she hits the ground. And to me, that's the, the sign that she is an actual good wrestler, because if she wasn't a good wrestler or she didn't have faith in her positions, you know, she'd just try to hold those. She's got three subs, you know, and it, she doesn't have a particularly old career either, but she Dars choked Amanda Bobby Cooper. She rear naked choked Alexa Grasso. And then you have to go back to her pre UFC days to get another one where she picked up an arm bar, but like, she's got three submissions. She's damn good. I do want to throw two honorable mentions out there because there are two ones that just, Absolutely should be mentioned. Number one, you got to mention Claudia Gadelia. Claudia Gadelia was this close to being a champion by beating Joanna Janjacek. She beat her for two rounds with phenomenal takedowns in control. She just couldn't seal the deal when she tired out and got beat in rounds three, four, and five. You know, that, you know, championship rounds beat her essentially. In a three round fight, she'd eat Joanna check And then the other one I'll mention is Cynthia Calvillo because Cynthia Calvillo looks stellar when she hits the ground as well. Just, you know, like the wrestling game for Tatiana Suarez to me is so good. And I hope her neck heals up because her versus Bailey Zhang is such an exciting fight for me
3: boom let us know how we did at top turtle mma on twitter we're accepting both love and hate feedback this was fun to do gumby i hope we revisit it again down the road let's uh wrap things up take us home do a little house cleaning what do you got
0: and well that's going to do it for another episode of top turtle mma podcast we want to thank you the fans for tuning in once again this show would not be what it is without you guys we also want to thank flow combat for having us on each and every week because we love our mothership, and them giving us love back certainly makes the whole process easier. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social. Make sure to down the Maroon Social app and start logging those exercise sessions. Battle Clan Gear and Ladder Nutrition. Also remember, you can check us out on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. we got all kinds of cool stuff going on there. You're going to want to check that out. And speaking of checking out, we're going to check out now. I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland.
2: He was Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will see you next week.